I remember having this profound moment, a thought that had never entered my brain before, that I was a sinner and that my sins were going to take me to hell if I didn't get right with God. I never had that thought in my mind. It's not that I never heard it before. I just never applied it to this guy. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Okay, and so... If my episodes are correct, this would be part two of the production testimonies. And I am your illustrious guest host for this testimony Tuesday. Once again, Roman Kovos, straight out of Hampton. And I am here tonight with a very, very, very special guest. Uh, He is the man behind the scenes but you hear his voice as he interviews some of your favorite pastors on Testimony Tuesday. One of my fan favorites to preach the gospel as well here in the Hampton Roads. And let's give a warm welcome. Maybe you can like drop an audience clapping in the production of this for my good friend, Adam Dragoon. Make some noise, people out there in podcast land. So, okay, um, I'm really excited about this, uh, Adam, because first of all, uh, I've known you now a little bit over 10 years that I've been saved here in the Hampton Roads. You've come down and preached at the Newport News Potter's House many times, covered many services for my pastor when he would be out preaching somewhere else. And uh, I've... uh, Love to listen to you preach the gospel. I know you're from the Chandler Church, but to be honest with you, I really don't know the details about your testimony. I've never uh, heard your testimony uh, just from your own perspective, how you grew up, how you got saved, how you heard the call from God to preach the gospel. So just as excited as all the fans and all the friends who listen to this, and they have been uh, requesting that, hey, Pastor Dragoon, let's hear your testimony today. I am just as excited as them. So, uh, well, let me jump in. Let me jump in first before uh, I do that where and just you? say thank you to you for, uh, for joining me and setting the time aside to do this. It's a blessing so that I don't just have to talk to myself into a camera. And uh, it's been a great blessing for me to be able yeah. to put on this podcast for everyone who is. Uh, taking part of it, and um, I'm happy to report, by the way, before we get started, uh, that we, even though we had a, a almost a three-week hiatus uh, over the first of the year here, and just getting back into uh, having daily episodes again, uh, that we had about five brand new subscribers, even though 
uh, we were not releasing new episodes. So that's pretty cool that uh, people were still subscribing. Oh, yeah. And, praise uh, God. So praise God. All that, again, uh, to benefit world evangelism. We love it. We thank God for all of you that are listening. And uh, I'm excited to share um, the testimony that God has done in my life. And I'm just as amazed as anyone else that I am saved and in my right mind. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, it is a privilege to be saved, I'll tell you what. And uh, we want to hear about that. So uh, just tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Let's start there, as we do. Uh, Where were you born? And uh, what was your lifestyle, your family life, your home life, sibling life, uh, anything like that? Sure. So, well, I was born, my mom and dad were, uh, they met in a little place called Coos Bay, Oregon. It's on the coast, the Oregon coast, which is a beautiful place. Uh, They got married there. I was born in Portland, Oregon, and my mom was a nurse. Uh, My dad was early on in the IT um, world back when, uh, you know, computers were about the size of a whole desk. And uh, so they had a pretty rough marriage. Uh, after my little brother was born two years after me, they ended up getting a divorce. I think they had only been married for about uh, five or six years. So that's about uh, how old I was when they split up. And uh, it's funny, I can. Uh, one of the very first memories that I have in my brain is I can remember being upset that dad was gone and that he wasn't coming back. So that definitely had a profound impact on my, mm. uh, my, uh, you know, my psyche. How old were you when this happened? I was about five. I, I was in, you know, kindergarten at the time. So we did, I did one grade of school up there in Portland. That was before Portland was a insane place that it is today. But, uh, so, mm-hmm. um, the home of Nike. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All of the uh, all of the wokesters up there that that we know about today. Mm-hmm. But so I have a lot of family up there. My dad's family is still all there. I have a younger sister, uncles, aunts. So it's always uh, nice to go back and visit. But um, I didn't spend a lot of time there after my parents divorced because my mom remarried, and uh, she and her new husband, my new stepdad. Uh, decided to move down to Arizona, and uh, the reason was because my mom had uh, two siblings, uh, an older brother and a sister that had also moved down to Arizona. All three of them grew up in Iowa, so um, people from Iowa love going to Arizona. It's uh, <laughs> it's like a night and day difference. So mm-hmm. uh, they got it in their heads that Arizona is the new promised land, and so my mom and her new husband. Uh, Dennis, they moved down to uh, Mesa, Arizona, and that's where I grew up most of my life. Oh, wow. So Mesa, that's uh, not too far from Chandler, right? It's uh, just north. About, yeah. So yeah, we, half an hour. My wife's uh, mother still lives in North Mesa, so when we go there, we normally stay with her a few days, either before or after the conference. So it's about a 20-minute drive from her house. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's where I grew up. I went to Mesa High School, uh, went to elementary, junior, and high school, and even some community college all there in the Valley. I am a desert rat at heart. Wow. So what was that like uh, just growing up in Arizona? Um, when I go there, I kind of get the West Coast vibes. Uh, 
reminds me a lot of California in its own way. But uh, what was that like? What was the things that you were into? What kind of a middle schooler were you? You know, oh. what what kind of a kid? You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Arizona is is uh, definitely a lot like California. It's where all the California people who can't afford California go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you so, go. The smart California. Exactly. It's the, the business people. Uh, and it also people who um, love the warm weather, obviously. So, yeah, it's a good place. One of the things that's unique about Mesa is that they have one of the very earliest Mormon temples out on the, you know, out, out there in the West. Wow. So it's close to i think close to about 100 years old at this point and it was one of the very first ones that they built you know there was one up in utah and then the, i think it was like the second or third one that they built was in mesa arizona it was um actually the city of mesa some interesting history there it it was originally called lehigh which uh happens to be the name of one of the mormon prophets if you look in the book of mormon you'll find the prophet Lehi, and uh, so obviously some non-Mormons didn't like that, and so they renamed the place to Mesa. But oh um, wow, so it's a huge Mormon stronghold. The reason I mention that is because that did have a pretty big effect on my life. So growing up, I I grew up around Mormon people. Anybody who's from Mesa, especially back in the seventies, eighties, and nineties when I grew up, it was uh, a huge part of the you know, just the, the the culture there. And what that means is strong family values. That means uh, spending time with at home. Um, we had a great Mormon family at the end of our block where I lived that I, you know, uh, that I would spend a whole lot of time. They, there was four brothers and one poor little sister <laughs> in this family. Wow. And, uh, you know, those guys were like my brothers too. Some of my best friends growing up in school wow. were Mormons. Now, just real quick, like, uh, did they... Uh, I, I was in the army and it was around some Mormon people and they're generally uh, just very easy going, very polite for the most part. Uh, but did they try to push their faith or convince you about Mormonism as a kid or talk to you about it, witness to you about it? Yeah, not really. Not really. Um, the only, the only pushy Mormons are the the guys on the bicycle. Oh, okay. that knock on your door. <laughs> right. Basically yeah. they they, you know, hire them at 18 to go all, all over the world and and um, you know, be be their evangelists and then once they do their time, they really don't put a whole lot of effort into it. Except I would say that their family values, their culture that they build is very attractive to a broken world and I would say they probably win more converts because of that than they do from their missionaries and their elders that they send out. And I can remember, um, you know, really being uh, influenced by that and and by this family. And and obviously not every Mormon is the best Mormon. There are, you know, backslidden Mormons, just like there are backslidden Christians. But um, but it was was part of the culture growing up there. And, uh, you know, that, that did have an effect on me. And even though our family wasn't, you know, I'm child of divorce and then had a stepfather and then that marriage didn't work out. But I did find some stability in having that culture around us, basically. Wow. That's really interesting. So, okay. So growing up, uh, were you into sports? Did you play ball? You know? Yeah, I love playing sports. Um, I never really, it was never really a huge part of my life, but, you know, um, I played soccer, was in 
music and uh, played baseball in junior high. Uh, I tried I tried out for the football team. I, I was uh, highly successful on the third string as a tackle dummy. <laughs> and and uh, I think I think the only game time I ever saw was uh, was in special teams. I would go out there and run down the field, get knocked down, and come back out. I said, "This is not for me." So yeah. uh, uh, I retired at the ripe old age of fifteen. <laughs> and there you uh, go. Uh, I I discovered something that was more interesting at the time, which was money. <laughs> I liked wow. I liked working. And so I can remember, well, let me back up a little, just a little bit, just kind of give you an idea. Um, so being a kid of divorce, maybe some of listeners can identify that, um, you know, my dad had visitation rights. And so part of the deal was that uh, every year uh, we would go and visit my dad and his, uh, he mar- remarried uh, another lady, uh, my stepmom. And so we would go and visit them for about six weeks in the summertime and then another week in uh at christmas time and then another week at spring break so those were you know those were great times for us we me and my brother who's a year and a half younger than me uh we were one of the early pioneers of (laughs) going on the airplane by ourselves Mm. and I, i can remember even like seven eight years old you know they would put a little a little uh, tag on our backpacks and uh, my yeah. mom would, would put us in the hands of the stewardesses and yep. they would kind of watch us. That. You did that too? Yeah, man. It's crazy how uh, similar some of these things that happened in your early life was to mine. Yeah. So they would send us off. We'd fly in the airplane. We'd show up in Portland. My dad and my stepmom would be waiting there for us. And man, it was, those were some of the happiest memories that I have uh, those summers in Portland. Uh, my well, my dad lived in Bend for a while, which is Central Oregon, and then uh, and then he moved to Portland. So that was that was every year I, w- I would visit three times uh, until yeah, until I was seventeen. Uh, we did that every year, and so mm-hmm. it was it was uh, so, the, so that so does this t- play into your money uh, uh, aspirations? Well, yeah, because especially in the summertime, uh, uh, my so I guess my my grandfather gave me the the hunger to be an entrepreneur because he owned his own business. It was called Dragoons New York Deli in Portland, Oregon. And he had a sit-down location in this uh really nice area, Portland, and uh it was like it's like a kosher deli. So that's another part of my testimony that I haven't um really talked about a whole lot, which is that I come from a a Jewish background. My my grandfather Jewish Full, full, full-bred Jewish, I guess, and my dad also. Even though they're not practicing like the religious side of it, but uh, culturally right. Jewish. And then, so uh, my my mom is not Jewish, so my dad is Jewish. So I guess technically they say I'm not Jewish because you're supposed to have a Jewish mother in order to be Jewish. But culturally, you know, uh, I grew up oh, around that. I never heard that. Okay. So so anyway, I, I grew up around that, and so just maybe a little history to know more about my family my uh so my dad's parents this is my grandpa and my grandmother um my grandmother um her family so if you go back another generation so it's her mother was living in poland at the time of world war ii so when she was a child 
her mother was one of, was one of the only ones that made it out of Poland. Her mother, this would be my great grandmother, was one. I think it was one of eight children of mm-hmm. that family, and yeah. all of them died in the Holocaust. Oh, so wow! She was oh, only one wow! Out of eight, so that's my grandmother's mother. So you kind of have that <laughs> that uh, that feeling. So you know, when when we talk about uh, people who are oppressed in our society today, you know, have they, no clue. People would look at the color of you know the skin and assume that just because you're white, you know, there's no oppression in your head. I thankfully have not experienced that kind of oppression, but you know, I there there there's a whole lot of uncles and aunts and cousins that have been wiped out of our family tree because of great evil, you know, and so. Yeah. So my grandmother carried that with her, uh, and then my my on my dad's side again. So this is be this is my my dad's father, my grandpa, the one that owned the deli. He is one of four brothers, and they all fought in World War II. Two of them died in World War II, mm-hmm. and so uh, so yeah, there you know, thankfully. Um, um, my grandfather didn't die, otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, all, all of that background to tell you that when I would go to Portland in the summer times, uh, I would work for my grandpa. He put a work ethic in me, and one, one of the things that he did very early on is he would s- set me out on a street corner with a hot dog cart, and uh, he would do this almost every day. He'd put out you know different guys on, on different corners, and he'd ha- we had about four or five different Hot dog carts. So I learned how to I learned how to sell hot dogs at about ten years old. Wow! Slinging the mustard and uh, yeah, it was mm, it was that's great. Some good man. stuff I, right there, man. A spring hot dog it. with some mustard. Mm. The Hebrew National hot dogs. Mm, glory. Nothing but the best. Shalom to that. <laughs> so and those yeah. are some good hot dogs. Yes, sir. I I learned the wonders of work and making money for yourself. And when I turned 16, it was my grandfather who donated. It was at that time that he, he ended up selling the business. He was getting too old to run it himself. And uh, part of that was that he had these vans that he would use to carry the hot dog carts around. So I inherited one of those vans. It was a 1978 Chevy Beauville. It was a tank. It was um, one of those like a half ton uh, vans. And it was supposed to be one of those that has, you know, the seats in the back with windows all around, but they'd take all the seats out so that you could fit the hot dog cart in the back. Wow. So, so that became my ride, and it had Dragoon's New York Deli all over the side. And, uh, that so you year, took it down, down to Arizona? That year that I turned 16, that was my first driving experience, was <laughs> driving that hunk of junk all the I'm way from... Google this as you're telling this story. <laughs> from 19... Yeah. 1978 Chevy Beauville, and I uh, drove that thing from Portland, Oregon, back to my house in Mesa, Arizona, and that was the party bus of my high school. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> it was glorious. Oh yeah, this is a monster van. This is yeah, old school right here. So I learned how to, you know, how to do. You're driving uh, a church bus before he was a pastor yeah you know funny story after i got saved that bus became the first church van for pastor james martinez i sold it to him for 500 bucks 
Oh, man. (laughs) It still had Dragoon's New York Deli on the side. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. Hold on. Can you see this on the camera? (laughs) That's the one. Yes, except it was blue, and it had vinyl lettering all over the side. Yep. This is great. Yep. That is awesome. Okay. That is, that's cool. That is really cool. So I'm going to see if we can't reach out to (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Martinez on a Testimony Tuesday and let him tell us some stories about that church (laughs) man. (laughs) Yeah, that was wild. That is cool. Okay, so that is really cool. So, all right. So did you graduate on time? Yes. Yes, I did. Thank God. I, I... I tended to do pretty good in school. My my downfall was that I never did homework. I just, I was somehow, it was against my religion to do school outside of school. So what I would do is I always had a knack for passing the tests pretty well. So, you know, even if I didn't do my homework, uh, I figured I could get by if I passed all the tests. And that that worked out pretty good for me. I think I had like a 3.2 grade average in high school. That's pretty good for getting by. <laughs> and uh, there was one class that I almost flunked. It was in, uh, I had this grand idea in my senior year to take a couple of AP classes. Big mistake, uh, because the, I struggled. I struggled in an AP history class. Actually, it was a great class. We had a great teacher, and that's where I found my love for studying history. But uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the work was homework, so I didn't do <laughs> didn't do very well. Mm. But that teacher, you know, thank God, man, you never know how life could have turned out differently. But that teacher had mercy on me because I had a failing grade. I had like a 58, you know, and it was just so close. And he could have flunked me and kept me back. But uh, he had he had mercy. And so he gave me a D instead of an F and I, I was able to graduate. Oh, man, look at that. But Praise see, God. so this is kind of where it starts getting in my testimony because uh, because when I was and real quick, we yeah. pause there. Can you get us a picture of you in front of your van? That would be I probably the could. Perf- that would be the perfect thumbnail for this on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I had that thing when I first got saved. I was I'd roll up to church in that beast. <laughs> Oh man! Okay, puff, I just puff, had to get that out of my out, brain before I <laughs> puffing out blue smoke out the tailpipe and everything. Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> that is, that is going to be awesome if you get a picture of that. Um... Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, 
Subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Okay, so yeah, because you said now we're getting into your testimony. Yeah, because, okay, so yeah, I get this van and that, that kind of put me on a path. Man, I didn't realize how much the van is part of my testimony, but it kind of is. So it's the swagger wagon. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so obviously you have a car, you have to have money in order to keep the car going. Yep. And I fell in love with the idea of the freedom of being able to drive on my own, right? So, once you have that, that that's why I I encourage young people, you got to get a driver's license, you got to get a car even if it there is something about that that made me grow up really quickly. Because I had to take care of the car, which means I had to pay insurance, which means I had to fill the gas tank, which means I had to have a job. And oh, so yeah. I started working. That's when I quit playing sports, and uh, I got a job. And my, my first like serious job was um, uh, working at a, a, like a telecom place doing uh, you know these automated phone calls that we get every five minutes these days. But back in the day, oh, man. Wow. That that was a that was a big industry, is uh, yeah, you know, calling people and so it was there at that place. It was um, I would just go in there, make phone calls, try to get donations for some. I I think it was a front organization. Looking back on it now, I'm sure it was uh it was a it was a scam. Yeah, but uh, they they were paying teenagers like me, like nine bucks an hour, which at the time was amazing. Oh yeah. So I would go in there and work, uh, you know, 10 or 15 hours a week after school. And uh, I have a paycheck, take care of all, all, all of my stuff and have a little extra on the side. And so this is where I met someone that was going to change my life forever. And mm. there was this cute blonde girl sitting next to me one day. And I was interested, like a. And where are you? Are you, where are you when this happened? Where is this? This is at cute work. Blonde girls. Okay, at work. Okay. Yeah. So we're both sitting there trying to uh, talk to people and uh, you know get a few sales on the phone. So, uh, like a normal sixteen-year-old kid, uh, she caught my attention, and so one day uh, I got brave enough to leave a note on her car. So she had a car too. And so I left a little piece of paper and said, hey, uh, you know, if, if you ever want to uh, hang out, you know, give me a call. Here's my phone number. And uh, so amazingly enough, she called me. <laughs> was this on a house phone or was this no, no, a no. cell phone? She was one of the first people I knew that had a cell phone. It was amazing. She wow. had one of those old school, like uh, – the ones before the Nokia ones, like those little teeny tiny Nokia ones were super popular. Yeah. But yeah. There was I one, those. there was one before that, that was like a little bit bigger than that. She had one of those. So she really impressed me that she had a cell phone. So that, that was actually the note that I left on her, on her windshield. Say, you, <laughs> you want to impress me? You can call me on your cell phone. I, oh, there you at that go. Time, at that time I had a, a pager, you know, this is going to start dating me. People don't oh, even know yeah. what those are anymore. I had a pager, but not a cell phone at the time. Right. 
So she ended up calling me and we talked for a little while. And, uh, and so I said, Hey, you want to hang out on the weekend? We have some, have a good time. And she said, well, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. But, uh, it's Wednesday. Uh, I've, uh, I have church tonight. You want to come to church with me? And uh, I said, sure, sure. Why not? Yeah. I like church. Let's go to church and wherever you're going to be, I'll be there. Wow. So, uh, it was uh, it was a Wednesday. I followed her in her beat up old junky car in my uh, my nineteen seventy eight Chevy Beauville, and uh, yeah, getting the close. The goon to... wagon. <laughs> and <laughs> sixteen years old, full of piss and vinegar, and uh, pride and ego, thinking I was on you top can, of the world. You can say piss on this podcast because it's on the internet. There you go. There you go. And yeah, this is, uh, uh, totally legal. <laughs> So, well, I guess I should give a little bit of my spiritual background just to kind of give you an idea of where I was in my head, and that is that my mom comes from a Lutheran background. My, my, uh, she grew up in a very Christian home. My, my grandparents, her parents, had a, a very genuine faith that I had seen, and I knew that was real. So I've been to church a lot, and we went to like a mega church out there in Mesa. I was familiar with. Uh, you know, with church things, they preach the gospel. Um, but I was what they call a nominal Christian. I was just kind of there for the show. So, but if you would have asked me, uh, are you a Christian? I would have said, yeah, sure. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do now. Would, would you and your brother both like at that time of your life feel the same way? Like, were you and your brother pretty close? And did you guys kind of think of it like that as well? Together or not really were y'all different well yeah we were pretty close um obviously you know uh, he strengths and weaknesses that we both have but uh yeah we were pretty close because we we're close in age we fought a lot like brothers do so yeah. um he was always better than me at all the things i wanted to be good at like video games and basketball and uh he, he'd always end up sinking those three-pointers and it would just drive me crazy because I was always bigger than him and faster than him, but he'd always win because he sunk the three-pointers. Mm. So, anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, we were pretty close. And um, I, can, I can distinctly remember one year for my birthday, somebody, probably with my, my grandparents, bought me a Bible. My very, oh, wow. that I'd never had my own Bible before. And I remember that summer being in Oregon with my, up at my dad's house. and. Um, trying to read that thing and me and my brother were together and i can remember it was one of those that had like a like a commentary that came along with it you know mm -hmm. and uh and so i what i'd do is I, i'd read the scripture and then i'd read the commentary and i i i put some like serious effort into it and i came away with it being even more confused than when i got started it was like it was like reading another language and uh now I understand why, because I was not born again. You know, I was. Yeah. I was, How old were you in this? This is probably, I was 14. 14. Okay. Okay. So there's another, there's another big event that's really important in my testimony. And that is that when I was 15 years old, I went through a very horrible year. Whoa. And um, what that was is, first of all, my grandfather, who uh, my, is my mother's father, he died. So he had been battling leukemia for like four years. And mm -hmm. he had gone into remission. 
uh, two or three times and finally got the best of him. So he was, uh, I think he was 68 or maybe 70 years old when that happened. And I was, I was 15. So he's the closest thing, you know, that I had to a full-time father figure in my life. Yeah. Not diminishing my dad's influence, obviously, but, uh, you know, he, he was, he was the guy for me and, um, always looked up to him. And so when he died, uh, he, uh, it hit me real hard and, uh, it was the first time I'd ever had to deal with death basically. Yeah. And, um, and so I was angry. I was angry at God for taking my grandpa. Wow. So then it was about six months later. So I'm still about 15 years old. Then, uh, so my, my other grandfather, my dad's father, the one that had the deli up in Portland, he had a sudden heart attack and he also stepped into eternity. So wow. within six months of each other, uh, both of my grandfathers died. Wow. So um, I was confronted with eternity. And so one of them was one, you know, my, my, the first grandpa that died, my grandpa Cliff, he, uh, we kind of knew it was coming because he had been struggling with leukemia for all this time. The other one was sudden. Nobody knew it was coming. He had been mostly healthy most of his life. He just had a heart attack and died. Yeah. My, my mother's father, Grandpa Cliff, he, I knew for sure that he was a man of faith, that he had had a conversion experience and that he, you know, he, we prayed around the table. He talked about Jesus. And I was pretty confident that he was in heaven. Right. But my other grandfather was not the same. He wasn't like that. He never talked about God. If he did talk about God, it was a joke. Even though uh, he had a Jewish heritage and culture, he never went to synagogue, you know, never really, and, you know, he would, he would be blasphemous about certain things and talk dirty around us. And, and so then I was confronted with this reality that I just had two grandfathers step into eternity. One of them is in heaven with Jesus right now. One of them is not. Mm. And that began to really, I, I, I didn't know it at the time, but that had a really profound effect on, on me. And uh, I think, you know, looking back on it now, I can say with certainty that God was preparing my heart for what he was going to do in the next couple of years. Well, that's amazing that, like, you would uh, think that way at 15 years old. Um, and you just never know what's working inside of people because most 15-year-olds that are not actively going to church and they don't hear, you know, well, you did say you went to church a lot, but you know what I'm saying? Most 15-year-olds, even the religious, uh, you know, Sunday morning church-going type of teenagers probably wouldn't process it like that. Uh, but that's pretty uh, interesting that you did because it's really deep, especially for a 15-year-old to think like, wow, one of my grandfather's is in heaven and one of my other grandfathers isn't, you know, mm. and I know at 15, I never would have thought like that. I don't think I would have at least, but, uh, so that's interesting. I do think that's interesting. I think a lot of it was subliminal in, in the way that I wasn't purposefully thinking of it like that, but just, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about how, you know, a year ago I had both of my grandfathers and now I don't. And where are yep. they, you know? Wow. And so kind of, uh, I had kind of, you know, anybody who grows up in public, going to public schools kind of has a, uh, 
uh, a bent toward atheism, of questioning God, and so I kind of had a little bit of that skepticism. Is God even really there or not? That's kind of where I was, and I wasn't sure about my faith. I wasn't sure about the story of Jesus. I wasn't sure that the Bible was accurate. Like, uh, And I was asking all of these questions in my heart um, about, is this Christianity thing real, or is it just you know some tradition that's been passed down? And so, yeah, at that, it was that time that I started kind of asking the most important questions. And uh, mm. I know that, that God was using that to lead me to him. So, fast forward, this is a, a year later, and I meet this cute blonde chick who brings me to her church. And that was uh, the Door Christian Center in Chandler, Arizona. So what year is this? This is 1998. I'm 16, getting close to my 17th birthday. Okay. So I think it was in the month of May uh, of 1998, and I showed up at this church. And so the Chandler Church at the time was doing a building project. They were, they were building the building now where they, you know, the, the one that they still have now. Fry Road. Yeah. On Fry Road. So, but before that, uh, they were in a temporary building, which was like a storefront, and um, and it was not the nicest of buildings. So you got to remember, I grew up going to this mega church, and yeah, you know we knock mega churches a lot, and, and rightly so. But I was used to things being in order, right? I was used right. to things being nice, comfy chairs, right? Oh yeah, uh, uh, come in, have a good time, shake a few hands, you know. Uh, and the the children's church or the the teen ministry that I was used to at the time was like eight hundred kids. <laughs> and we oh would, wow! Yeah, so that that's kind of what I was used to. So I show up at this uh, what in my mind this rinky dinky church with like three hundred people in it. And wow! We happen, you know, we sit on a metal chair and there's cement floors, and above me, remember month of May, it's starting to get hot, and so uh, they don't have air conditioning. But what they do have is they have swamp coolers. <laughs> and there's one swamp cooler with the place where we sat. And during the service, this swamp cooler had a tray that had a leak in one corner. And it's dripping on the floor. I can distinctly remember, man, this place is a heap of trash. I'm watching a puddle gather, you know, on the floor. And I'm so wrapped up in this stupid stuff that I, I you know, I'm so distracted. I, I'm not even hearing what's being preached. Uh, it's the first time I'm exposed to people speaking in tongues, so that was yeah. totally weird and awkward to me. And so, uh, thankfully, my uh, my uh, attraction to the girl <laughs> is what <laughs> kept me there. And yeah. uh, so I wasn't there for the right reasons, obviously, but um, thankfully, God kept me coming back. Wow. So that was your first service in the Chandler Church. So um, mm. you go to church. you. <laughs> I'm just trying to really picture this, man. And uh, I know how it is with building projects. A lot of times it's scary. <laughs> and so you go in and did she ask you what you thought about it? Did you respond oh, yeah. to the altar call just because? Like, what happened? Like, okay, right so there's after a few the things. Church service. There's a few things that, that are important about this because, so number one, my wife, she became my wife, like, spoiler alert. Um, yeah. So over your ears. Yeah. <laughs> so she was also 16 years old 
when this is happening. Her dad is one of the founding members of the Chandler Church. She has grown mm. up in this church. And so wow. now she shows up to a service with some boy that never nobody's ever met before. Oh, yeah. And so wow. We're, we're getting deal. eyeballs from the whole church. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is showing up with our girl, Taya? And so right. immediately there was kind of like this awkwardness with everybody I met. You know, we, we, we don't encourage missionary dating. There's a reason for that. Um, yeah. Thank God it happened to work out somehow <laughs> for us. But um, it wasn't like she was, uh, you know, I was pursuing her and she was the one that brought me to church. So it wasn't like, you know, we were involved. We weren't romantic or anything. We, we were just, you know, getting to know each other at the beginning. Yeah. So her dad at the time, Gary Snell, was living in Florida, and uh, and so she was coming on her own at the time, which was you know kind of awkward. There was a lot of awkwardness happening, and so so wow. she she realized that I felt awkward, and that was making her feel awkward. And you know I was kind of giggling under my breath throughout the whole service, and then um uh, at the th that was the time when Pastor Campbell had to go back to Malaysia, so he wasn't there. He wasn't there for like the first four or five months that I was coming. It was Pastor oh, wow. Roy Sablowski who was holding down a lot of the services and also uh, Pastor Gary Monins. I didn't know who they were at the time, but right. I can wow. distinctly remember Pastor Roy Sablowski that he, somewhere in every sermon, he was talking about tacos and burritos. and <laughs> <laughs> So so to me, it was not very impressive is what I'm saying. And, and I, I I was not instantly like convicted by the Holy Spirit, you know. This took some time with me. It was a process for so, me. So to... so you kept coming because at first you're really just coming for your soon to be one day wife. Yeah, well, I, I didn't. Or even... were you making friendships even with the guys? Or okay, so yeah, there, there's a couple of things. So so even though I was coming, I was not committed at all. Like. My mom and my grandma were going to to this other church, this little Baptist church at the time. So I was going with them. You know, I would go that to that church on Sunday morning, and I was like, okay, you know, this this, uh, this door place they have a they have a service on Sunday night. I'll just go to that. That's no big deal, right? And so so that's what I would do. I would go to what I said is my family church on Sunday morning. I'll go over there Sunday night, and uh, just to impress the girl, right? Yeah. So uh, so it went on like that for a while, for maybe six seven eight months wow and so i turned 17 uh i'm working a job and you know i'm trying to figure out what my life is going to be next but there's this girl that you know she's she's captivating to me yeah and so so little by little what happens is that uh well pastor comes back from malaysia and i start getting convicted man <laughs> I, see. Uh, I start figuring out. So I, I remember having this profound moment in, my, in one of the services, a thought that had never entered my brain before, that I was a sinner and that my oh, sins wow. were going to take me to hell if I didn't get right with God. I'd never, wow. had, I'd never had that thought in my mind. It's not that I never heard it before. I just never applied it to this guy. Right. And so that was the very first time I heard 
you know, I've I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit on my life. Right. And so I repented. I, I went to an altar and I repented. And uh, shortly after that, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow. And, uh, and this short- is now you're 17. Yeah, so I'm about a year in, you know, occasional uh, uh, attendance, right? And so it was was, at that time um, I said, you know, to my my family, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling this other church the door. This 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 is gonna be my church now. I'm gonna start going there as often as I can. By this time now, I would assume y'all moved into the building you're in. Um, so we the Fry Road building. We opened that building in the year 2000. So oh, okay. my my initial move toward discipleship was before we moved into the building. And uh, the, the thing that kind of pulled me in was the Saturday night concert scene that they were doing. So at the time, man, it was, looking back on it now, it was like, janky is all get out <laughs> it was <laughs> it was not fancy we had to set it up and tear it down every saturday you know because because it was in the same room as the sanctuary and right. so um you know somebody asked me if if i wanted to come i said sure uh shortly after that somebody asked me if i could help set up and tear down i said sure so i started doing that and somebody put this box with a bunch of light switches on the front in my in my lap and said hey can you turn on the lights and run this during the concert, I said, sure, I'll do what I can. So that became, you know, kind of my first ministry, sort of, is, is just helping in the Saturday night stuff. And uh, so, so then we get into the new building, right? The first thing that happens in the new building was a revival with uh, Alvin Smith. N- never heard hmm. him before. That was a supernatural experience. Wow. Um, and uh, so revival starts breaking out in the church. We grew quite a bit in that first year or two in the new building. And then, um, and then something happened. If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.